This week, there has been more movements in the crisis between Russia and Europe over the disputed areas of eastern Ukraine. The crisis is not over as Russia moves to gradually take up the position that the God of Israel has determined her to be in before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Matt Davies joining you. Earlier this week, we have seen the crisis in Ukraine escalate further. Pro-Russian masked gunmen marched in and took over key buildings up and down the eastern Ukraine. Buildings such as police stations and government offices had been shut down by these pro-Russian activists. Many suspect this to be a well-organised Russian military move as the gunmen are well-organised and equipped, carrying Kalashkinov rifles and wearing military uniform but without insignia. All the same characteristics of what occurred a few months ago in Crimea. The Ukrainian government this time, though, hit back, and small skirmishes were reported, with some protesters losing their lives. Whilst this was going on, reports were coming in of the Russian military massing on the Ukrainian border. NATO officials said there are 40,000 Russian troops amassed along the border, raising fears of an imminent invasion on a scale that would dwarf Moscow's takeover of Crimea. On Wednesday the 16th of March, The Guardian published an article entitled NATO to step up presence near Russian borders. The article reported that in response to Russia's military build-up, it too would be, quote, stepping up its presence around Russian borders to reassure Eastern European member states. The crisis was poised on the precipice of all-out war. A peace meeting was called in Geneva on Thursday, and the leaders of the Ukraine, Russia, Europe and America all sat down to discuss a deal. In a surprise turn of events, it is claimed a deal has been met. By viewing the various reports from the meeting, it seems that this is what all parties got out of it. On one hand, we have Russia. They have got some key concessions from the Ukraine and Europe that the Kremlin can have a central role in determining the future of Ukraine. These concessions include being part of future talks about constitutional reform in the Russian-speaking east of the Ukraine. So we've got that on one hand. And on the other hand, Europe, America and the Ukraine have all had assurances from Russia that it will de-escalate from its military presence and that Russia will call for all the Ukrainian buildings to be given back to the Ukraine. And those who took them would come under an amnesty. So what is happening here? Is this the end of Russia's ambitions to expand its influence? Is the crisis all over? We think not. Because whilst Russian diplomats were negotiating this non-military deal with the West... Russia's president, President Vladimir Putin, was taking part in his annual televised question-and-answer session in Moscow. This report from CNBC is very interesting, quote. Speaking at an annual televised question-and-answer session in Moscow, Putin said Russia would give Ukraine a month 
to pay off its gas debts and would then switch to a complicated prepayment scheme which could disrupt supply. Gas giant Gazprom, in which the Kremlin has a majority stake, claims Ukraine owes it more than $2.2 billion. Quote, it's a complicated settlement and might lead to disruption of supply of gas to our European consumers. We can cut it off right now, but we will wait another month, then quote, Putin said. The unfolding dispute between Ukraine and Russia has led to fears of, a, of disruptions in gas supply to Europe, given that Russia supplies around a third of the continent's natural gas and that some of that supply is delivered through pipelines running through Ukraine. End quote. Also in this TV session, The Independent reported Putin had stated, quote, I remind you that the Federation Council has given the president the right to use armed forces in Ukraine. I really hope that I do not have to exercise this right and that by political and diplomatic means, we will be able to solve all of the sharp problems, end quote. So is the crisis over, we ask? It doesn't really seem that way, does it? Putin thinks he has the right to use force and is not afraid of using that right. For now, though, the great chess player of world politics has held back, it seems, at least temporarily, on military action in the hope that control over the Ukraine will come in a way more palatable to the international community. He is going to use his energy might and the new opportunities of helping Ukraine with a new constitution to get what he wants. All the time, though, he still holds close to his chest that military card which he can play and which Bible students know will be played by Russia in the coming world crisis that has been outlined in the scriptures of truth. To find a real sense of meaning in the recent developments to the Ukraine, a biblical and historical understanding is required. We can do no better in recommending the most recent Bible magazine entitled Russia's Challenge to Europe. The edition holds many useful articles for the Bible student on the subject of the importance of Russia in Bible prophecy and the context of the events that we are witnessing. The milestones update in the uh, magazine article by Don Pierce has a, very, has a very interesting section entitled Kievian Russia, which goes through some of the overwhelming historical evidence which connects the name Rosh, which we read of in Ezekiel 38 verse 2, with the ancient name of the people of Rus. This people came to the fore in historical terms in the middle of the 9th century when they formed a powerful empire called the Kievian Rus. And it is from these peoples that the modern nations of Russia, Ukraine and Belarus all have their cultural heritage. It is the leader of this people of the Rus, one termed Gog, who will eventually dominate and bring under control all the Russias, North Africa and Europe. He is the king of the north of Daniel chapter 11, who will dominate Turkey and take back Constantinople for himself. He will bring about the union of the image territories of Daniel chapter 2. It is this one, we are told, who will invade the land of Israel, who will, quote, with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships, 
and he will enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. He shall enter also into the glorious land and many countries shall be overthrown. End quote. Daniel 11 verse 40 to 41. God tells us that this is his divine plan. In Zechariah we read that God says, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. This great event is undoubtedly a description of the powerful, visible manifestation of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. When the Lord left the earth from the area of the Mount of Olives 2,000 years ago, two angels appeared and told Christ's followers, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 11. Therefore, as we see a dominant Russia pulling the strings, building up its military might in order that it will play its part in the great drama of that future time, we have then to be ready for the Lord Jesus Christ's return. His mission upon that return will be to defend the Jewish people and to re-establish the throne of his father David, namely the kingdom of Israel in the past. And being part of that kingdom is the essence of the gospel message, the good news which Jesus and the disciples taught, as we are told in the scriptures, in Matthew 4, 23, Acts 28, 23 and 31. It is a firm faith, an application of the gospel in our lives, which will determine whether we will be part of that kingdom, to join Christ in establishing it and to be with him as immortal rulers in the age to come. Let us therefore reach out to that gospel, hold on to its teachings and strive to live godly, godly lives. Let us be like the Apostle Paul, who stated, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Romans 1 verse 16. This has been Matt Davies joining you. Come back next week, God willing, for another Bible in the News.